This is NRL Boom Rookies. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Boom Rookies. I am Matt Bungard, and alongside me, as always, Mitch Doyle. Hello. And good day, everybody. All right, we did it. We're here, the last of our uh, week of episodes leading into the grand final, and joining us for this final stretch, Nick Campton. Welcome. Always nice to be here, fellas. Yeah. Uh, saving the best till last, some would say. Not me, but some. <laughs> um, and uh, we I'm will glad start... you like that joke. I'm glad you enjoyed it. Well, I mean, he's too scared to laugh at anything that ridicules you, and you're not going to laugh at yourself. I so. laugh all the time at funny no, things. No, the, the, the world's time. against me. Anyway, the world wasn't against Nico Hines on Wednesday night when he claimed the Dahlia medal. Um, I mean, I personally didn't have that much of a problem with the winner, fellas, but uh, my main issue was that he polled the most points of any player in any season in the history of rugby league, and that implies that he had the greatest season of any player in the history of rugby league. And obviously that is not true. Um, I'm just wondering, Nick, you wrote about this the next day as well. Um, Are we ever like, obviously nothing is probably ever going to change. We're never really going to fix this system, but it seems to constantly now throw up these either winners that don't make sense, or in this case, voting tallies that don't make sense. Yeah. In case, in case you guys missed it, I wrote a little bit about Hines and, and, and the, the basic premise of the piece wasn't so much, it wasn't a criticism of Hines who had a really good season and is a deserved LEM winner and someone like him winning the Dallium and winning it in the manner that he did and the great speech that he gave afterwards, that's a real credit to, to Hines and, and to rugby league. And that's something everyone should feel good about, but polling the most votes in Dallium history is just I feel like the hype machine that gave Heinz this Dallium has now created the rod for his back. Because the thing that people will now remember from this Dallium victory is most points ever. He yep. got the most points ever. He got more than Chaboyevich. He got more than Barber. He got more than Hayne. Most points ever. And it's a simple fact in rugby league that when somebody's really good for a long time, we get sick of them, you know? Mm-hmm. We, we're, we're a sport that likes new toys and we break the old ones, you know? So I think the second that Heinz has not even a bad year, or not even a bad game, but the second that he's not as good as we think he's going to be, even if he's just the if next year, if he's the same as he was this year, it's not going to measure up to in our to, to what it could be in our minds, you know. And it's no. just going to be Hines got the most LEM points ever last year. Why isn't he better? Why isn't he better? Why is he doing better? Is yes. he a fraud? Is he a bum? Why isn't he doing better? You know what I mean? And that might be cynical. I copped a bit of heat for the, for writing that story. A couple of people said it was cynical and a little bit jaded or whatever, but. If you understand how the rugby league media works, like you can see this coming on the horizon for for Heinz, you know what I mean? And it's not something based on anything that he's done. He didn't ask to get the most votes in Dallium history. If anything, it's a real indictment on the judges because the Sharks won 11 in their last 12. Heinz polled three points just pr- like pretty much every week. But if you go back and watch those games, there's a lot where he just doesn't do heaps. Yeah. You know what I mean? Well, he has up and down. He has, he, he has an up and down finish to the season, which is fine. But it's that's not how it's going to be remembered now, you know, and I feel like it'll come back to bite him. Yeah, it's it's like, and I don't know how many votes Matt Moylan finished up with, but he wasn't anywhere near the top. And to say that, you know, Nico Hines was set had seven or eight times as good a season as as Matt Moylan did is is insane to me. I thought Matt Moylan had a great year, and there was a lot of those games where, as you said, Hines got three points and Moylan was just forgotten about. Where you could argue that Moylan had a better game, but that's just once a guy is in that sort of. Now, I think there was a sentence in your story that said, like, it, a, a good narrative wins the Dalian or something like that, not not the best season. It, it's all about narratives. And 
yeah, once the hype train started rolling halfway through the year, that was it. And he was going to be one of those guys that just started getting three points every single time they won. And we're left in the situation. I mean, you know, if they did a MVP American style thing, maybe he does win anyway. And I don't think I would complain about that. I don't really think anybody had like a particularly... Like, I don't think there was a single player that was, like, earth-shatteringly better than anyone else. I know a lot of people love Ben Hunt, but, you know, his team came 11th. Like, Penrith had three or four guys that had fantastic seasons. But again, like, uh, he would have been a worthy winner. It's just the fact that he got the 38 points is, is a bit silly. But, I mean, I don't really know what you do in the future because, I mean, I tweeted about it and a lot of people, a, a very common suggestion that we got from people was, oh, make it a 1 to 10 every week for every player, which, as we've discussed before, is a very stupid idea. But the simple fact that if a player misses like two games, they can't win basically <laughs> mathematically. So I don't know. I mean, I would love to see it switch. I mean, you can even do what they do for the team of the year where it's just, they vote like three or four times a season at, at each position. You could maybe even just do that, but have a, have a best player as well as picking your team. I don't know, but yeah, it's, I don't think it's going to change. People love the countdown. People love the points tally, all that stuff. So do they? I guess we're stuck with it. So Whatever. Well, I, I would I would push back on people loving the the, the countdown tally because I actually thought the entire awards ceremony was just it just felt really low rent. It didn't feel prestigious. It didn't feel yeah. important. You know what I mean? I thought it was really congested as well. It was done in an hour and a half. You know, Fox League had it had as much pre prelude to the Daily M's with a preview show in NRL three sixty as it did for the awards show itself. It didn't make it feel special. It didn't make it feel important. The only yeah. time the entire night where it did feel special and important was when Todd Payton gave his speech for coach of the year. I thought that was really nice. Mm. Um, when Racine McGregor got her women's Daly M and you could tell how much it meant to her. And when Hines gave his speech, those were really nice emotional moments and they really connected with me, but the rest of it just felt like it was, it was rushed. It didn't feel prestigious. It didn't feel like I didn't feel the magnitude that I used to feel with the dams. You know yeah. what I mean? And I guess that's a bigger problem with the award in general is that it's just, I don't know. I think I honestly think it's one of the most poorly done things in rugby league and has been for some time, you know. So we we'll keep, we keep complaining about it. We do every single year, but that's only because we want better. And right now mm. we're not getting better. Like everybody knows I got no love for the Sharon Fisters, but every single year they show us how to do it with the brown line, you know? And that yeah. feels so much bigger and so much more important. And we're just sitting here with it. We're just sitting here on our hands doing our shitty little three two ones with we with like with with every with the entire ceremony compressed together. Yeah, and none of it breathes, and and I, I I don't I don't feel the prestige, I don't feel the aura that I should, you know. Yeah, and it's like the the thing that probably annoyed me the most out of everything was they just rattled off both men's and women's teams of the year like five seconds before they announced who won the Dalian. Like there was no time to let any of that breathe. I don't know why. I understand you can't do it for like half back and full back because that would spoil the main award, but there's no reason why you can't stagger the rest of those awards throughout the night to give it to give sort of everyone that was up there getting trophies for, for their seasons a bit more time and a bit more a bit more spotlight and yeah i really did enjoy top eight and speech i saw people complaining about how long it went for but it's like everyone else just kind of and maybe they were told to got up there and just was like yep thanks and then just left immediately yeah. so yeah it's, you're right people, I just, complain, people complaining about that it's like what the fuck have you got to do on a wednesday night it's true. Yeah. So it's like, <laughs> what I would are we have doing loved... at 8.30 on a Wednesday night that's so pressing that we got to rush off Todd Payton and off you know, the stage? Like, 
I, I would have loved to see a bunch of these players get up there and give a speech for winning their respective position of the year. I think AJ at this point has leaned into the try screen thing so much he would have just got up there and thanked Latrell Mitchell and Cody Walker and that might have been really funny. But we didn't get any of that. We didn't get any speeches from anybody that won a positional player award. I think that's a real shame. I don't know why you can't stagger the wingers and props and all that stuff throughout the night. But nevertheless, um, interesting afterwards that Racine McGregor was asked about changing the name. And I do agree that it is weird that the women's medal is called the Dalliam. It doesn't really make a whole lot of sense. Um, I also don't really want it to be named after some lady from the 1920s. I think that's kind of lame. Um, she wants it to be called the Ali B medal, which I'm well and truly in favor of. It would be weird though if they name it after someone who's still playing. What if she wins it next year? Yeah, right, so I wouldn't you, be worried about you, that. You <laughs> it's like Lauren Jackson get, dropping buckets in the Lauren Jackson arena every week for that team she plays for and, Whatever, but yeah, I mean that definitely needs to be changed name wise to what I don't know yet, but yeah. Anyway, uh, I will say with one of those years with Adelium though, it's like you know people know my opinion on Nico Hines, and I don't think many people's opinion has changed because of the award. But it's one of those years that lots of good players miss football, so everybody knows Nico Hines is one of the best ten players in the NRL. But did any of them play the whole season? You know, like Nathan Cleary didn't play the whole season, for example. Yep. Latrell Mitchell didn't play the whole season. Tommy didn't play the whole season. Like a lot of those guys didn't play the full season. So, yeah, the the full tally is obviously it's a giant number. And even this year, mate, you can see what like Ben Hunt's total of thirty two points, and he came third, is good enough to win. I think it's like nine of the last twelve Dalian medals. We've got it's really got into like from really early on. We know that guy's in the running. They get the votes, kind of thing. It feels yeah, like yeah. It's a it's it's like a self fulfilling prophecy. You know what I mean? The yeah. narrative creates itself. Ben Hunt got into the running because after like six weeks, everyone said, "Oh, look, Ben Hunt, he's up the top," and that just sort of yeah. kept going through the whole season. Yeah, yeah, I mean, there's obviously it's never going to be perfect that system. Whatever they change it to or whatever, but I think the three two one's not going away. I just don't think that'd change. Like, yeah, it's a lot of change. All of a sudden, flick it to MVP style voting, and I, and there's obviously issues with that as well. And I think. The greater issue with that is that rugby league lives in the moment a lot more than other sports do. Like in the NBA and similar, I know it's favors the back end of the season. I agree it should favor the back end, but like we we live in a world where we had the media acting like Lachlan Elias was fantastic two weeks ago. We voted for all the stuff at the end of the season. Yeah, exactly. Like it'd be chaos at the end of the season as well. Like a player could have had a really, really good season like Ben Hunt, right? And because his team wasn't playing the week of the awards there's no guarantee he would have got any votes yeah like mitch moses could have retro like just if they did it this week he might have just won it so i mean i think the big the biggest problem with the dally m's is not even all the it's just that nobody cares i think that's the biggest problem with dally m's is that Mm. they don't carry prestige and in a few years time you know when we debate players people don't really seem to don't care about that accolade and i don't know how that changes but it just yeah. it doesn't have that same prestige feeling as Campo said at some other awards and other sports. So maybe that's also because we're too close to it all. We feel that, but I think that's maybe. how the general fan feels about it. But but you're right. Like, you know, a player winning the MVP in the in the NFL or the NBA feels like a big deal. Spoken about forever, cool. forever. You're yeah. like MVP winner from whatever you know, yeah. 2003 MVP. Whatever you hear that guy. Every night, guys mentioned in a broadcast pregame. You know, he's the MVP from that year. We know Matt Ryan's MVP every time he plays in NFL. It's true. Game. Cam Newton. Yep. Lamar Jackson, soon to be two-time. That's exciting. Yeah. 
Um, all right, let's move on if that's all right. Uh, mm-hmm. We got three grand finals on Sunday, starting with the reserve grade Super Bowl, uh, Penrith against North Devils. Mitch, I am very excited to see some guy from North Devils who I've never seen play before have a good game and start pumping his tires to have an NRL career somewhere, as I did with Beryl last year. I'm looking forward to doing that well, again. Well, Jaden Bell didn't play this game last year. This game wasn't there last year, mate. What was the where where did I get excited about Beryl grand final? It was the Q Cups uh, prelims. Whatever. There was something yeah. Beryl did that excited. <laughs> yeah, but so this, no, but this hasn't been played tradition. for two years. It is all right. Yeah. Uh, can I, it's can not going to be Tyson Gamble drop, though. Can I drop a controversial state championship take? It sucks. Yeah. It sucks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I don't think, it's, bro. I've like I remember. I remember I interviewed Handsome Toby uh, in 2019 after they'd won the New South Wales Cup. And he was like, yeah, we've like, he was basically like, didn't say it, but it was like alluded yeah, to the fact that they'd been on the piss all week. Yeah, and, and, it was and, like, and, well, right, of course and rightly been. so. They'd won, yeah. their, they won of course. their final. The Maybe remember, remember the PNG team? Oh. Like, yeah. I don't think what it sucks. I think it's found its right spot now. It was wrong that it was like the women's the is before the, grand the women's final. game. Yeah. This ridiculous. is the game that's like at 1 p.m. And I, and I do understand you guys, like the, those guys who played in it, they won their grand finals already. So it doesn't have a much meaning to them, but I still I think it's a good game, you know, like it's a bit of fun. Um uh, and like you know, you, you do get to see the thing I appreciate is on grand final day you get to see players as Bunga just said, people have never seen them before. You know, and those guys get that bit of spotlight. And we've seen this state championship game has made careers. Like it's true it has. Like, you know, if that game wasn't played when Ipswich just won it, I'm pretty I'm, I'm not certain, but I reckon you'd have good odds that guys like Kurt Capel don't get NRL game careers after that. You know, so I think it has a spot. I just, as you said, I just, it doesn't really matter. Um, this year it's going to be an uphill battle for the Queensland side to win it. Like, I think they're like, what is it? They're like four or five dollars outside as North Devils. Well, but, uh, well, they were pretty battered in their grand final win last week, weren't they? They had, they've yeah. got a couple of blokes who aren't backing up because they well, hurt themselves. Tyrone Roberts retired. So he played like the grand final and isn't playing this game. That's funny. <laughs> uh, Tyson Gamble might not play because if he hurt his knee. And then, if people don't know, in the grand final of Queensland Cup last week, Braden McGrady, who's been like their best outside back all year, scored the match winner, broke his elbow while scoring the match winner. So he's out. And it's brought yeah. in, um, I don't know if anyone remembers him, but Jaden Corrigan, former New Zealand Warrior. He's Any relation to Sean? Side. No, but uh, he, oh. he has played for the Warriors, but uh, he's come <laughs> in this week. But yeah, obviously, like they've lost some players already. They might not have Tyson Gamble on game day. And I know Penrith, they're not playing. Like Sean O'Sullivan would be who they're missing. But their team's pretty close to what they'd play, mm. you know, at, at full strength. So it's a well, tough one for, for Norse. I do vividly remember, Mitchell, back in 2014, Penrith played against some plucky guys with the word North in their name. Yes, in and you game, bet on them. Who yes. were massive outsiders, and they got up and won on the back of a yeah. Jarvid Bowen hat trick. So, yeah. uh, well, Queensland haven't so, won it since the second year. The Jets beat the Knights. Um, yeah, one. yeah. Um, and that was like two years before he played first grade. He was like 20 at the time, I think. So, um, yeah, maybe there'll be some some guys who, as you said, get their big moment in the spotlight and, and get something out of this game. But well, yeah, that, yeah that I, I'm, I'm, I'm obviously going to back. I'm obviously going to back North's Devils out of tradition. But yeah. Sorry, what were you saying about the pride? Oh, so that pride team back then only had like Ethan Lowe and um, mm. Java Bowen who went on to play first grade from there too. Oh, Blake Leary was in it too. He played uh for Manly for like three years. Yeah, they, not a lot um, of first grade. No, I mean, yeah, it's David Crampton. What a what a name. Oh, Sam Ops played. Yeah, Harper. whereas like the Jason Dimitri was coach, wasn't he? He was, yeah, he, was. he definitely was. Yeah, Sammy Tajalala was in that team as well. Yeah, whereas the Panthers had like 
Wanga Blake, the Nagama brothers, you know, yeah. Ed Onabuli, Campbell Luke Gillard. Luke was 5'8". Yeah. Campbell Gillard Kevin was Kingston there. was the hooker. Murdoch Mastilla. The Penrith team was so is, good. This is a pretty good Penrith team. It is. Yeah. <laughs> um, Leilani Latu was on the bench, you know, first grader. Kevin Kingston's there. And uh, is Kieran Mosley playing? Is he playing this week? He's on he the is, bench. He's playing for oh. North. Oh he, shit! He's what starting a... for Norse, so he has, he's played the first and he's playing this one. There you Where's, go. Well, how did both of us miss that yard, Campo? The man who was heartbroken in the reserve grade <laughs> Super Bowl back in 2014, back for revenge, has the chance to flip the script. No, I guess I guess um, with 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 this game, with this game, it, it does come down to sort of who's got the greater motivation, and Penrith kind of does because they're going for their all three Winning grades, all three grades, and yeah. and um, SG ball as well, which is. Which has never been done before, so I guess that's a, that's a little bit of extra motivation for them. And honestly, that might be enough with the talent they've got. That might be enough to get them home, you know. So yeah. I'm seeing Penrith winning this one and winning it pretty well. Yeah, it's a it's a pretty shit hot Penrith side for reserve grade again. Like you know, Christian Crichton, Robert Jennings are there, and I know people think they're in their first graders, but those guys, good in reserve grade. Taruva and Isaiah Longy both probably have first grade futures at the Panthers. You know, Kirk Falls had an okay first grade game this year. Sonny Luke's mm. probably going to be their hooker next year, splitting with Mitch Kenny. There's big Jermaine raps Hop- on. There's big raps on this Jack Cole that's playing five eight for him. He's only really yeah. young. I think he's only nineteen or something. But yeah. there's serious serious raps on him. Yeah, and Jack now, Cole Lindsay sounds Smith. like a no nonsense police detective. That's what I've got to say. Yeah, and Lindsay Smith and Eisenhuth, everyone knows those. And Hop Goodall played first grade. Chris Smith's played first grade. Hopgood's off to Parramatta next year. But like, yeah, that's a team full of lots of first grade experience. And I think I think it's almost all of their 17 are on, on like NRL deals, you know, from next year onwards. Whereas Norse have like three of those people. Yeah. So because Norse aren't one of the teams that is fully loaded of uh, Broncos reserve graders up there. Like they have Tyson Gamble, they have Brendan Piakura. Uh, they had Tyron Roberts, but that's about it. You know, something like they've obviously got some other quality players like Jack Ahern's like the the king of Queensland Cup, and they've gone back to back up there. Norse have, but on the balance of power over the year, like you know, the Dolphins and the Bears were better teams than North probably over the year. You could probably say fairly, and um, like the Burley Bears were like I don't know, fourteen wins of their tw- of their nineteen games and. You know, the, the Devils have won the grand final, so all credit to them, but it's probably not the best, you know, all things equal Queensland Cup side taking on the actual best <laughs> Cup side. So, as you two, said, Cam, I think they're heavy favourites for a reason. Yeah. Two two quick things before we move on to this one. Yeah. My Raiders boys would kill me if I don't mention the six months in 2012 where we thought Jack Ahern was going to be Canberra's fullback for the next 10 years. Like, was one of those He's guys awesome. who was a 20s, a 20s weapon. Just didn't kick on for whatever reason, probably because he's like as about as fast as me, but just really, really smart ball player and all that. I alienated many, many family and friends during the grand final week last year when I would, apropos of nothing, tell them about how Jack O'Hearn was, you know, once one of my one of my great, great hopes. Never give up on your under-20s, guys, fellas. They'll always come back around on you. And two, there's a special place in my heart in reserve grade grand finals for first graders or guys who have played a fair bit of first grade who are playing the next level down and just mm-hmm. totally overplay their hand and fuck everything up. Um, Chris Chard who, used who to give out an award fun? for this every year called the Doom. So I yeah. want to get the Doom winner in this in this state championship game. Who is the player in there with first grade experience who is just going to get in everybody's way? Um, I'm going to go with South Sydney legend, Jacob Gagan. Jacob Gagan, there you go. Okay, I, I'm going to go with, based on that criteria, I'm going to go with Christian Crichton. Oh, see, I think Tyson Gamble, if he plays, is at 
Nathan oh, Cleary, Clive Churchill medal odds to that's, just that's probably true. Yeah. Actually, that's the good one. Yeah, just to absolutely rip this thing to shreds in the best and worst way. Yeah, it's um, yeah, I, I agree with you. It's interesting. But Jack Herman is a Queensland Cup superstar. He's played like 150 games and scored a try like every 48 tries in that time. But like this year, he had you know good numbers. Always has good Queensland Cup numbers, and there's a reason why like teens he's on, you know, do quite well. There's you still know, time, like, Ricky. Bring him home. There is. Yeah, he's like obviously the back-to-back premiers at Norse, but been in Queensland Cup since you know pretty much the end of his NRL career. Sorry, Canberra career. It's still time. He's one of those dudes. <laughs> I I truly believe he could do a couple of weeks in first grade and do his job. You know, I don't think he's like going. To, it would ever be someone because of his lack of speed. Would be someone who could be a first grader long term. But you know, somehow he didn't he didn't land on his number when the Broncos rolled the dice for like two years, throwing in any random old man they had in from reserve grade into the halves. He could have done a job for three weeks. <laughs> imagine imagine how things would have been. Our lives would have been incredible. They yeah. definitely would have been better if that had happened to, to him and to all of us. Yeah. But yeah, I think Penrith will probably win that. But I'm obviously cheering for North. You know? Yeah. I'll be backing Norths to the hilt. <laughs> Don't know anything about them, but I'll be I'll be cheering for him. All right, let's move on uh, to the NRLW Grand Final. Newcastle, the red hot favorites against Parramatta who have won as many finals games as they did regular season games. Um, but that's all right. Maybe they took some while to find their feet because they looked pretty good last week. We're all just pausing. Good. Okay, I'll start. <laughs> I was like, oh, can we talk about it? Now, um, when let him speak goes too far. Let him speak. Yeah, look at us having manners for once, not talking over each other. How about that? It only took us a decade. But... Um, yeah, I, I really think, as you said, Parramatta have been really good the last couple of games and it's a short season and doesn't feel like they deserve to be there, but they beat that Roosters team convincingly last week. They beat the Roosters team that were looking like the early Broncos level of dominance with, with how they were playing. And the, the competition looked predetermined for a Knights Roosters grand final. It feels unfortunate we didn't get it, you know, for how well they both played, but the Roosters earned their spot into this game. Like Samama Tauf has been unreal for them. And then the other guys have really improved as season has gone on. Like Taylor Preston and Ashley Quinlan have really improved. Gal Broughton has adapted well to playing, uh, well, rugby league as opposed to playing at sevens. But they've, they've really come along the, like the last couple of weeks. And uh, I think they'll give the Knights a pretty decent run for their money, even though I think the Knights have really improved as well. Like I thought they were going to be the team that could upset the Roosters to win it all. Uh, and I just hadn't seen the the dominance I expected from like Millie, and Caitlin Johnston early on, even though they're playing well, I didn't see the same Millie Boyle, but I think she's been there the last couple of games and like, she was fantastic last week. So I'd be, I'd be a bit worried if you're an Eels fan of this game that the Knights pack will just run all over them. Yeah. I, I guess it's one of those things. The NRLW is still a very young competition, right? And I yeah. feel like all the teams in there now, all six teams, like there's good ones and there's bad ones and all that, but all of them are just good enough to be dangerous to, to each other. And yeah. all of them are just about bad enough to fall apart on a bad day. Mm. You know what I mean? So while like Newcastle deserve favorites for this one, like their star power through the team is, 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 is really something like their spine's really strong. Upton had a great season, probably her best season in a couple of years. I think Kira Dib had, had her best season in the NRLW getting to settle into five, eight. Jesse Southwell's really impressive. Uh, Mitch, you mentioned Caitlin Johnson and, and Millie Boyle and all that, but you know, like, they they can't like they can drop the ball. That can happen a lot in the women's game. You know what I mean? Where a team just doesn't turn up and things just don't work because, you know, the players just aren't aren't as experienced as they could be and all that. So 
while I'm leaning the Knights and I'm pretty confident, like it wouldn't shock me if Parra can pull something off here. You know what I mean? Because Broughton's fantastic. Telfer's really good. Ash Quinlan, someone that's really impressed me. I didn't know a whole lot about her before this season. And I thought the halves were going to be a bit of a weak point for Parra through the year because they just didn't have a lot of um, experience there. But she's really grown into things as the season's gone on. So, you know, I think it'll have to be one of those ones where they get an early try and they get the bounce of the ball a couple of times and things go their way. But it's possible. It's definitely possible. And I really can't, I really can't wrap Taufer enough. Mm. I feel like like we all talk about Millie Boyle and Caitlin Johnson and all of them a lot. But for me, Taufer has been a top three middle in the NRLW probably since it started, you know, and she's one of those rare players who was good, was like a, a, a big dog on the scene before the NRLW started. And some people who were like that have fallen by the wayside, but she's just gotten better and better and better and better as she's got an opportunity to be more more professional, you know? And I think that's really impressive. Yeah, I think her and Millie are like one and two in every like forward stat, like first or second and everything, which is um, to expect that. But yeah, I'm with you that um, the Knights are the one team in the NRLW. They they have the biggest problem of holding onto the ball. Like they make a lot of mistakes compared to all the other ones. And Parramatta have been the classic boring compete and complete side. Like they don't make a lot of errors. So you wouldn't be shocked if you said, mate, in the NRLW teams have struggled to chase others down very often if a team gets on top early. So I think there is a shot of Parramatta. They score, you know, if they go up 12 nil, that they can, they can hold on and win that game. But the night side does, side does seem a bit too quality, even without Hannah Southall, they lost in the first game. I thought that was a really big blow for them, but they've kind of, Figured it out with like Prebidon coming off the bench, and um, they've had uh, what's it? God, this is great for me forgetting the name of the starting lock this week. Whatever the, the person who's starting the lock <laughs> has done an okay job subbing with Prebidon, and they've been um, obviously we said Johnston and Boyle are probably you know them and Taufa probably been the best props this year on I'd say all levels, you know, representative level and at this level, so. It it'll be a tough one for for the Eels, but I don't think it's un, I don't think it's unwinnable though. No, not at all, not at all. And yeah. like I know with the NRLW, we're always talking about the future of the women's game and how that like mm. it's con- like the game's in constantly in dialogue with itself about you know mm. how the sport's developing, what the future's going to be like. It's very rare that we concentrate on the moment, but I do think someone like Jessie Southwell is kind of a vision of what the future of women's rugby league can be. Like so, she's seventeen. Right, so, mm. which is really, really young to be playing at such a high level. But it also means that she was like 13 or 14 when the first NRLW season kicked off. So she's not one of these players who had to come back to footy in their late teens or early 20s. She's grown up playing footy this entire time. And I think when you see a move with the ball, when you see a take on the line with the ball in two hands, and when you see a passing game and a king game and all that, that really comes through. You know what I mean? So seeing Jesse Southwell on a stage like this, that's a real vision of what the future can be. You know, a generation of athletes who all grew up playing football. And because they grew up with a football in their hands, they're just more comfortable playing the game yeah. and doing the skill things that can really help elevate the women's game to the next level, you know? So it wouldn't surprise me if, you know, in many years' time, we look back at the Jesse Southwell generation as the the ones that really took the women the women's game to a whole new level. Yeah, and um, I think it was like, like Tamika Upton has had her best year in like two or three years. She's ha- always had fitness issues. She hasn't really played a full season either, but like she's also one of those ones that like she came onto the scene. She's 25 and she's not as young as Southwell, but you can still see the gap between her skill against some of the other ones who've been around longer, you know, and Southwell's come in to first into the NRW, like having kicking game at 17, whereas it's not a knock on that first generation, but they couldn't kick, mate. They really couldn't in the level of Southwell. And it's... um. Taylor Preston as well has got a pretty good kicking game, you know, and um, 
she's also quite young, but I just remember early NRLW days that, you know, let's be honest, they struggled with the yardage game. Like if a team was stuck in their half, they very rarely got out of it. Whereas now the ball movement's got so good that the back, the to and fro is there, that teams will yeah. get up the field, decent kick, decent chase, and it'll go the other way. Like that's been a, a, a big change in the young women in the game, the ball skill. So Southwell got the rookie of the year and deservedly, but yeah, she's been playing, you know, since as you said, the actual child, the teenager playing footy, not just being an all out athlete like a lot of other girls are. Yeah, like all right. I mean, the AFLW. What was her name? The AFLW girl for the Eels now, who oh, came um, over and played the Brooke first Walker. game. Brooke, Brooke Morgan Walker, Walker, that's her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know that that she would have walked in and played when when she the first year NRLW. Yeah, this time she walked in, played, and like, oh, let's go with someone who's played footy. <laughs> you know, and Ash Quinlan <laughs> came in. You know, it's that's it's evolved in that regard. Uh, but I'm really looking forward to that game. Just um, you know, the the Knights fans kind of need to win. Like they're really riding at home. They need to win bad. But also the other f- side of it is like there's also the cool story with it being the Eels and the Eels in, in yeah. first well, I grade. think I think either way, no matter who wins, it's I think it'll will we'll get sort of celebratory scenes that we might that we've never gotten out of the NRLW before. Like mm. when Brisbane won all their premierships, like I'm not taking anything away from them, but it was it was a four team competition, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And all the grand finals were out of Brisbane and everything like that. And then when the Roosters and the Dragons won last year, again, it wasn't really where the fan bases were. But this time, you know, we'll have a thousand, we'll have a tent, we'll have thousands of para fans there because, you know, they're in the men's game as well. And also, mm-hmm. I think if there's one club that would really, really get behind their women's team as a standalone entity, it's the Knights. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The Knights will support anything. Knights fans will go to a letter opening. You know what I mean? The Sid mm-hmm. Fogg buses are coming down the freeway to watch the women's team. You know what I mean? And I think if they mm-hmm. won and they got the club's first premiership, I think in any senior grade in quite a long time, that would be, a, I think that would be a big moment for Knights fans. You know what I mean? So I'm excited for that. I think regardless of who wins, we're going to get like scenes that went, that we've not gotten before out of an NRLW premiership, which is exciting. It is. It really is. But yeah, I think Knights will win. I think if the Eels are going to win, it have to attack the edge, the outside backs of the, of the Knights. Like the Knights got better last couple of weeks and they realized they should stop spreading the ball. They're really good up the middle, middle. But I think that's if Eels can win, that's where they go to attack them is out wide. But I do think the Knights will win, even though it would probably be nicer to see the Eels win, as you said, Campbell, for the scenes on the day. There'll be more, there's obviously going to be more Eels fans than the Knights fans because like, you can't buy an NRLW grand final ticket than leave. Yeah. <laughs> um. Oh, and uh, Tiana Penetani is still very much in doubt for this game. If she plays, I think Parramatta a real chance. That's oh, a huge she's, I, inclusion. She's gone. I don't think she's any from chance. What, from yeah. what I've heard out of the Eels this week, yeah. she's... Like you're no more chance. of a chance of playing, bro. Yeah, like, which is obviously terrible for them. Their best outside back, essentially. Yeah, yeah, it sucks that, for her too because she's such been does. such a great advocate for that club. That's uh, that's enough for me to tip. I mean, I probably would have tipped them anyway, but tips me with confidence to tip Newcastle. Nick. Oh yeah, I, I, you got to go the Knights. You got to go the mm. Knights, don't you? But I, I, I do think, I do think it'll be a tight one. I do think it'll be a tight one. I think we get a great contest. All right. And the NRL Grand Final, Parramatta versus Penrith. Um, Penrith looking to win their first competition since last year, and Parramatta looking to win their first since 1986. Obviously, a lot on the line for both teams. Uh, all that dynasty chat for Penrith, and of course, breaking that drought for Parramatta. Um, Penrith are a dollar thirty something favourites. Penrith, uh, Parramatta, are about the same level of outsiderness that Souths were last week. Uh, Campo, you first. Um, how do you rate their chances? What do they need to do to win? Well, look, 
I think it, it became pretty clear a couple of weeks into the season that Penrith were the class of the NRL, right? And since then, everybody's been waiting for them to win this second premiership and go back to back. And like, that's been the expected outcome all year, right? But the longer this week goes on and the more I think about it, the more I find myself talking myself into para having a, a real shot, not just like, a, oh, yeah, you know, there might be a chance, but no, I'm talking like a real shot, like a serious shot, you know, and there's a couple of things, there's a couple of things that I'm kind of basing that on. One of them is Taylor May out and Charlie Staines in, like Staines is quick mm. and he can finish, but he's not great at it. He tries hard in yardage, but he's not very good at it. And he's a shaky defender. And I thought Souths were able to test Penrith down that edge several times last week. It was something they kind of went away from as the game went on, and I wasn't sure why. You know what I mean? That Staines combination with Crichton is not all is not all it could be. And I think that's a that's the single chink in the Penrith defensive armor that Parramatta can really exploit and go after. And then the other thing is I really like the inclusion of Nathan Brown on the bench because I think there's no like if you get into a a grind with Penrith in the middle of the field and you go set for set and the forwards are going hammer and tong and it turns into a yardage and kicking game battle, you're going to lose. You're going to lose. There is not a team in the NRL, maybe not a team in the last 25 years that can get into a battle like that with Penrith and expect to win, you know? But I think the if you are to attack them up the middle, it's not you don't do it with size and power and strength. You do it with speed and explosiveness and and agility and all of that, you know. And in the games where Penrith have been troubled in the middle this year, it's been from forward packs that have that sort of quality to them, which is why I think Brown becomes really important. I think it'll be a situation where after 25 minutes, Brad Arthur sends the word down. He says, "Remember Nathan, remember all those things we talked about, about managing your anger? and about discipline, and about channeling your aggression, forget all of that. I want you to go out there and take some scalps. I want you to go out there and kill people. I want mm. you to go out there and give me the most explosive 25 minutes of your entire life. And if you get sent off or suspended or whatever, make sure you take Nathan Cleary's head with you when you leave the field. You know what I mean? So <laughs> Why I, really, I, really, I really like both of those things. And I, I actually think the biggest obstacle for, for Parramatta won't be Penrith. Like Penrith are, are, of course, a great, great side and and all that. Like you don't need us to tell you how good they are or what they're good at. I think the biggest problem for, for Para might be in their own heads because they played Penrith a couple of weeks ago in the first week of the finals. And it was interesting because they just totally went away from the game that works for them, right? Offloading and spreading the ball and, and, and really mm -hmm. promoting the footy and letting it whip around the field. That's their game, right? That's how they trouble teams. But instead they got drawn into that set for set grind. And, Asking guys at Parramatta, the reason they did was like an ego thing. They wanted to show that they could stand up to Penrith. Like Regan Campbell-Gillard, this is a direct quote, Regan Campbell-Gillard says that they wanted to measure dicks with Penrith and see who won. You know what I mean? So as long as they stay away from that sort of from that sort of ego, from having to prove themselves in that way, as long as they play their game, I think they can really trouble Penrith, you know? So when I think about all those things, it's not hard for me to make a case for 100%. power. You know, so like, I, I don't know if I'm there yet with with like like tipping them and all of that. Like I might be by Sunday. I don't know. It's still a fair way away. But I think they got a chance, man. I, I really do. I think they got the muscle. I think they got the skill. I think the crowd will be staunchly pro para. Like they'll rip the fucking sky open the second para mm -hmm. seem like they're in with a sniff. Like I, I don't know, man. I feel like there's stuff there for para if they're good enough to take it. I agree, man. I do think one of the massive factors you mentioned at the end there is that I think the crowd's going to be staunchly Parramatta. 
I really do. I think we're going to have like 60,000 Para fans there and 20,000 Penrith fans. And I think that's an environment that has the potential to rattle, rattle Penrith side that haven't played in that atmosphere. They just haven't through the last couple of years. They haven't, had, like, they haven't played in front of giant crowds and had them against them. You know, they've had some dominant home crowds. I think that's a factor. And I also that's do really think... I do think Parramatta, whilst Wanga Blake's been in terrible form, I do think you said that Charlie Staines thing's big for them. If if Staines lines up on Sevo, and I wouldn't think they'd do that right because how well Toto dealt with Sevo. But if, they, if their plan for the grand final was to have Toto on the right and Staines on the left, I wouldn't. I don't understand why they wouldn't have done it last week. You know, they would know knew last week Taylor May was in doubt. So I'm assuming, I don't know if you know any different Campo, I'm assuming Taylor, sorry, Charlie Staines is playing on the right wing, right? Yeah, the, uh, that's what I think. So the, they played Staines on the right wing last yeah. week to yeah. make him feel more comfortable because that's that's his side. That's his side of the field. Yeah, that's and it. I think they'll prob. I think they'll probably do the same thing. Yeah, I think they'll and- probably do the same thing because I don't think they'd want to go in there with Staines being on his bad side of the field with a mm-hmm. centre that I don't think he's played much with before. I don't think him and Tago have ever played next to each other at all. Yeah, they don't have I'm happy to be so... happy to be corrected on that. But um yeah, I, I think their entire plan is about making Staines feeling comfortable. They're, they're worrying about what they're doing instead of the matchups, which is a yeah. fair enough way to look at things. But I'm kind of with you, Mitch. Like Toto really handled Sevo in that game a couple of weeks ago. Like Toto really put it on him physically. And Sevo didn't like it because I don't think he's ever in his life been in a physical battle that he lost. And he yeah. lost that one and he kind of didn't know how to take it, you know? But, man, if it's him versus Staines, you'd need two Charlie Staines just to take down Sevo, you'd reckon? Yeah, 100%, mate. So that's like, I am I think that's a bit of a misstep. And I know, as you said, it's about their comfort on the other team's comfort. But I do think that's something Parramatta will target. You know, it's like when Brisbane put Jordan Pereira out, them, out, out there for them again. Parramatta have been good if they've found something, they'll go back at it. Like, they went left. When they find, it, they find a weakness, they'll attack it all day. Mm. You know, and they like going left as is. And I think that's probably the way they'll send a lot of their traffic, even though it has got, as you said, Crichton's out there, Cleary's out there, Lee Martin defends that side. I think that's where they'll probably go, send a lot of their traffic this week. So I, it is a world I do see Parramatta winning in. I don't think it'd be – I wouldn't have my mind blown by it, you know. I wouldn't think it's some outrageous upset because I think they are the one team that can beat them. And the last game they played doesn't really matter because it was Penrith Reserve grade. But, you know, the last couple of years, Parramatta have really pushed them. They've beaten them or pushed them in other games. Um, obviously, the first final matters. Sorry, the last game regular season doesn't matter. And I'm with you on that first final. They said it themselves. They got inside their own heads. Uh, I think they can beat them this game with the same way they've beaten every other goddamn team. Play their footy, play aggressive, offload, and then strike those edges and send those giant back rowers, Sean Lane and, and Josh, uh, Isaiah Papali, at your halves and... The other team has to pray the house doesn't don't crack, you know, and they've been doing that all year to great success. And they've been really switched on since Brisbane handed it, handled it, handed it to them. Parramatta have. They haven't had bad moments. Like for a lot of time this year, they'd have games and they turn off for 20 minutes. They've really figured that out with the Madison rotation. So I do think they can play some smash mouth footy, I'll say, and get in the face of Penrith and try and rattle them their way. Not get in the duel with them, you know, play aggressive football, as you said there, Campo, like offload. Go to the line, challenge them. Don't get into the to and fro with with Paramount and Penrith. Try and blow them off the goddamn park. That'll be yeah. their best hope, I think. Hundred percent. I think you know how we've seen some of those guys play when they've needed them the last six to eight weeks. Like how they found energy last week, I don't know. 
You know, how Sean Lane and Campbell Gillard stood up the moment they got the ball back, I have no idea. So I wouldn't be it wouldn't be crazy to see those type of guys do it again this week for my even with the travel last week and the pressure and everything on Parramatta to turn up. I really wouldn't be surprised at all if they, you know, got on top and controlled the game. Well, you, we've said a few times in the last couple of weeks, Para are great front runners as well. They they're great when they're when they're on top. It's very, very hard to turn the tide against them because they're they're. Yeah. I don't I don't mean this in a disparaging way. They're they're really good bullies. You know what I mean? Yeah. They know how to use their size and their strength and their skill to physically assert themselves when they've got a little bit of an advantage. So, like I know it's it sounds so basic, but like a good start is so crucial for them. They really have to start fast and sort of not not convince themselves that they're in this game, but just really put it on Penrith and say, if you want if you want this, you've got to you can't just do your usual thing where you get in the grind and and end up on top. You know what I mean? You're going to have to lift. You're going to have to find something because I think if, if there's one weakness Penrith do have, especially in their attack, it's I don't think there's a whole lot of like brilliance to what they mm. do. You know what I mean? Like they're really really great at turning the screws and grinding teams down. And, and and scoring points in a in a strong and structured way. But apart from like probably probably kick out, there's not a whole lot of guys who can, you know, throw a weird turning offload like Sean Lane did to Mike Acevo. You know yeah. what I mean? There's not a lot of guys who can just pull something out when they really, really need it. A lot of their tries are are very well constructed or considered. I think you said it the other week, Mitch. When they score tries, when they play well, it always feels like something they've done a thousand times before. You know what I mean? I don't think they quite have that improv improvisational quality that Parramatta have in them. You know what I mean? Yeah. And maybe the two teams crash into each other and Parra try their imp- imp- improvising crazy bullshit and it doesn't stick and Penrith systems win out. Like I can definitely see that happening. But I can also see a path where a couple of those Parramatta passes really stick. And Mitch Moses puts mm. in a couple of weird early kicks and Mike Acevo like pulls one out of the sky when the kick looks like it's going <laughs> 10 yards dead. You know what I yeah. mean? Like I can see these things happening, you know? Yeah. So I, I, I don't know. I don't know. I'm just, I'm really glad that we've got to this grand final and I feel like we're going to get a contest because for a lot so, of the season, it just felt like, well, no one's going to be able to get near Penrith and we're not even going to be able to talk ourselves into it. You know what I mean? So why are we bothering to play the rest of the season? But I'm, I'm, I'm saying something real tight, real tense. So, I can't say battle of the West because I said I would, wouldn't use that phrase after Wednesday and we're now on Friday, whatever it is, but I think battle is the word. Battle is it what is. we're going to get. I'm, uh, yeah, I just really want the Eels, you want them to see them when you want them to play with the balls they've been playing with. Every other That's game, it. bar that Penrith game, they dictated terms. They didn't try and match someone. Like, you know, again, go back to that Brisbane game, right? They took short dropouts from the start. You know, short dropouts, they attacked Pereira, they had Sevo Against the Raiders, you know, they went after you guys from the kickoff and were up, what? They attacked, they attacked Savage's kick defense, but they're up, what, three tries in the first 20 minutes they scored, I think? Like, they've gone after teams. And even last week, like, they never had the ball last week. Never. But when they had it, they went after the Cowboys. They backed themselves to roll down the field and score points. So you'd love to see them do that against Penrith rather than try and get into the to and fro. And, yeah, I really think they're a red-hot chance. And I'm very happy, as you said. This is the one grand final. After, like, first week of the finals, I'm like, shit, I want a Parramatta-Penrith grand final because I think all the other ones are going to be landslides. <laughs> so yeah. that's that's what I wanted to say. We got there. Yeah, like we've talked so much about para, right? And yeah. this so much of this week has been all about para, which is what happens when a team hasn't been in a grand final for thirteen years, right? Yeah. And Penrith have been here the last two years, you know. So, like, but I, I, 
and and I feel like if Penrith are going to win, they're going to win by doing the things that they do well all the time. So there's not as much to dig into because we've seen it all before. We've yes. seen Nathan Cleary kick teams to death. We've seen Isaiah goes passing. We've seen Leota go out there and crack skulls. We've seen Kikau do his stuff on the edge and turn into not just an attacking player, but a really strong defensive one as well. We've seen To'o run for thousands of metres. We've seen Dylan Edwards be the F, the king of the effort merchants. Like We've seen all this before. So there's not as much to dig into. So I, do, I don't want people out there thinking that we're just trying to talk ourselves into power or whatever, or we're not giving Penrith their dues because well, we, we just we just, we just just know what – I feel like we know what we're going to get from Penrith. We know what yeah. to expect. You know, they play a pretty simple game when you get right down to it, and they've just sort of mastered what works for them, you know, and yeah. we're going to see the same things that we see all the time. You know, they're the great winning machine of this era. You know, the black flag is flying over all of rugby league right now. Like, we know what we're going to get. It's just like, can anyone stop it? Can Para, mate, can para fucking dig deep and find something? Tell you what, though, if Wangabay puts a bomb down in the first 10 minutes, I'm just going to walk out of the stadium. Oh, <laughs> if he, drops, if he drops that first one, if he drops that first one, Luai and Crichton and all of them are going to be around him yapping like a pack of mad dogs. Yeah. And like, what, if he drops first that first one, he'll drop every single one. Guaranteed, that, bro. That first bomb that goes up to him, he will be shaking in his boots, trying to show confidence and just hoping he comes down with it. Hey. Well, you, and if you, he does... you, made a, you made a really good point earlier this week, Mitch, about when he dropped that one against the Cowboys and he was so pissed off with himself, like he was punching the ground. He was he was so furious with himself, right? Yeah. And like just by seeing that, it shows that it's in his head. You yeah. know what I mean? He's thinking about it all the time. And like that's understandable. Like why wouldn't you? Why wouldn't you be thinking about it all the time? Everybody's thinking about it every time the kick goes up and it's anywhere near him. Yeah. You know? So... I don't want him to. I don't want him to have like a poor carriage shocker because, like, God, why would you ever wish that on anybody? But man, they're going to be coming after him, and they're going to be coming yeah. hard. And oh man, I I hope for his sake he can hold up under 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 that scrutiny, under that bombing raid, Matt Bunga. <laughs> they won't let him back there, mate. If he drops like three bombs in the grand final, he can't go west of a core stadium the rest of his life. <laughs> have to become an eastern suburbs person. <laughs> <laughs> That's it, Life ends at Anzac Parade. It's um, like what you said though. It's, it's I think it's more of a battle with himself than it is with Cleary's kicking game. Even though he's, he's against the best kicking game in the competition, that he's been fighting. His, I bet you he's been at training. Like I'm not leaving till I catch a hundred bombs in a row, and he's caught all of them. Yeah, but out, uh, out man, of the stadium, I, honestly, God bless him. I hope, I hope he does good. I hope he does. Even even if he drops one, I hope it's after he's caught a couple. You know. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I think Penrith are going to win pretty comfortably. Oh yeah, so do I. I, think I don't I mean, know if it's going to be comfortable. I'm still tipping Penrith. I'm still like, yeah. I'm not crazy. Yeah, I'm crazy, uh, uh, yeah. but I'm not that crazy. Yeah, like I don't know. I understand they got the better of them earlier in the year, but I mean, just what we saw from Penrith last week, they had a half of football where everything went against them. Well, 35 minutes of football where everything went against them, against a team that was physically bringing it to them, and they just mm-hmm. shrugged it off and won comfortably anyway. And again, you look back at that Parramatta game two weeks prior to that, similar things sort of happened. They were in an arm wrestle until they weren't. And I just worry that that's going to happen again, and we're going to end up with like a final score of like 34 to 8 or something like that. Well, they're, they're certainly a different possible. team than their last two finals runs. Like they were, they had this swagger in regular season. Every of the last three have had this, they've had the swagger. But come finals time, like two years ago, they limped past the Roosters in week one. What was it, like 29, 28, 29, it was. 28. Yeah. Okay. And then they limped past the Bunnies and then yep. lost the grand final against the Storm, but looked like they were, they were, you know, 
they, they weren't up for a grand final win. Honestly, they didn't really look like great that whole game there. They, they lost to the Storm. And then last year, you know, obviously they won the comp, but they never looked like the real Penrith side in that grand final run. Like once the final started, obviously they lost the first final to South. And then the grand final was one on that intercept. They never felt like that swagger in control, you know, guys backing themselves that they are the rest of the year. What you said there, Bunga, this final series, they finally look like that team in the finals. So that's the fear. Like they've been so controlled their last couple of finals runs, like finals games, that it feels like they could do that to Parramatta this weekend too. Yeah, that's a, that's a good point you make, Mitch. Like I think it is, it's easy to sort of see the journey in Penrith from these three finals series. Like that first one, I remember yeah. that game against the Roosters, right? I was out there and you could almost feel Penrith. You could feel their confidence growing as that game went on. It was their first finals game or their first finals game was like a premiership contender all together mm-hmm. and all of that. And it was kind of like they got through it and they realized it was all real. Like this is all these things that we feel in these wins that we've had that they're, they're all like, there's a real substance to this shit. And then yeah. the grand final that year was the, was the last time I think that they looked really rattled. That was the last time where the lights got a bit too bright for them. And then last year when they sort of had to limp through the finals a fair bit, they got broken down to their, their most basic elements, right? Which is mm. um, strong carries, great defense and clear his kicking game. And sort of like once that happens and you've won a premiership just off the back of your three greatest strengths and nothing else working for you, like why would you ever be afraid of losing ever again? You know yeah. that if you just do your things and if you do them long enough, the other team will break first. Like you know, like they they have there is no doubt in their minds that that can happen. You know what I mean? And honestly, yeah. I think that's their greatest strength. That's what won them that game against South. So I thought they looked so underdone in that first half hour against South. They were. They they look they look sluggish. They look lethargic. I think you could tell that their starters had only played one game in the last three weeks. But they just but it sounds so basic. But they just keep going hard. They just keep going hard. They never stop. And when you go hard like that, you get bounces. You get intercepts. You get lucky. That's what yeah. happens, bro. When you when you when you're willing to just to to go to places other teams will not or cannot go to, things happen for you. Bounces bounces go your way. Brian Toto sends Cody Walker to the shadow realm and goes 70 metres to score a try yeah. that even Brian Toto didn't think he was going to score. You know yeah, what I mean? I mean? That's what happens. And and that sort of footy is built for finals. And honestly, it's built for grand finals too. Like, that's why they beat Souths last year. Yeah. And they're so good at putting teams under pressure on the edges. Like, Bill Kikau's got four charge downs this year, which is not a lot, but it's the most in the comp. But all four of them are those ones that he's just killed some half in their end and he's just watched it slowly. He's had two days to pick it up himself. But they're so good, as you said. Those things don't happen by accident, how good they are putting pressure on the edges. They happen because they're so good at putting pressure on teams. But yeah. Yeah. I'm really, I am really excited for the grand final. That, like, I thought last year's, I mean, South did turn up. I thought they were going to smoke South last year. And they didn't. But it's the first time I'm going into one and genuinely think, like, either team could win it. Even though I'm expecting Penrith to win it, I genuinely think it's going to be a good contest. You know, both teams turn up at their best, Penrith smash them. But I hope that's so. how rugby league works. <laughs> I hope so. Um, I don't know. Uh, I, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I'm going to tip Penrith by ten points. Um, even that, I hope. I think even that, I think, is a little bit conservative. But hope I'm wrong. Hope Para win. But yeah, yeah. I think Para going to sorry Penrith going to win by eight. But I also think it could be one of those games that a Penrith are up by like eight or so with fifteen to go. Para make a mistake, or whatever. It can finish being one of those games that they won by eighteen, even though it was only like it was a close for sixty-five minutes. But yeah. I, I think Penrith will win by about eight. I was going to say eight as well, but I won't now because Mitch already said that. I'll say ten, but it'll be one of those ones where Penrith are up by four in the seventy-third minute, 
yeah. then score That'd a try and then the wind goes out of Paris sails and Penrith go into party mode. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah, it is. It does feel like also for this grand final, I do want to talk one thing before we finish, talk about the bandwagon, but it does feel like one of those grand finals. Like every grand final is yeah. a lot at stake, but this one, both teams are losing their hooker and their best back rower next year. I know Sean Lane's been better this year, but part, they're both losing yeah. Coruscant and Kikau and they're losing uh, Marnie and Papali'i. Well, mm. Papali'i doesn't want to leave. <laughs> it's pretty, pretty fun about that. I don't know. I don't know, but he, you know, they're losing those guys and Penrith have this feels like they built to the final iteration of their team this year, the last couple of years. Uh, it feels like not dip, people don't like telling Dynasty, but it feels like for them it's really high stakes because who knows that next year what Mitch Kenny and Sonny Luke will be. Who knows what they'll do on the edge there. It's hard to keep repeating this dominance. But for Parramatta, it certainly feels like this is the one we've been we've had a you know, we've been really good for five years as well. We just haven't been as good as Penrith. This feels like that's their one because it's gonna be hard for them to get back there next year too, without those players we mentioned and They'll both still be there or thereabouts next year, but it's so rare you come to this part of the season and, you know, they are both missing a player now. One's missing Opacek, one's missing... uh, Why have I forgotten Taylor May's name? Missing Taylor May. But it's so rare you get to this time of the year playing good footy as fit as they both are, and they're both there now. So every game final has stakes, but it just feels really high stakes for me for this. I don't know why. Usually when it's like Roosters or Storm, you're like, oh, they'll be back next year. It doesn't matter. If they lose, they'll be back. I don't feel like that about Para. You know? Well, this 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 feels like this is this Penrith iteration's last chance because yeah. once they lose Kickow and Coruscant, I don't care how good Mitch Kenny and Sonny Luke are going to be next year. Coruscant yeah. is yeah, he's out been awesome. of this world, and him coming back to Penrith is is something that unlocked so much for them. It, it unlocked did. Cleary, it unlocked Luai, it changed everything for him. Mm-hmm. And Kickow, Kickow is kind of like the other side. He's he's that player who was already there and was so talented, but has grown into the superstar that his talent always promised he could be. You know what I mean? And like Luke Garner's a good player, but he's not like that. He's not like yeah. Kickout, you know? And I think next year Penrith go from being clearly the best team in the NRL to being just a little bit more like everyone else. And they'll probably still make the top four and they might even win the premiership, but they won't yeah. be like they are now. They won't be this, this, this fucking giant colossus that stands astride the league and looks down on everybody else because yeah. everybody knows they're the best. You know, this is the last time that all these Penrith guys get to be together like this, and I like that 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 means something. That means something, and and it's and it's the same for Parramatta, just in a different way. Like this is the end of one road for Penrith. This is the end of the road for the Eels for this entire group. I I get if they don't win this one, who knows how yeah. long it'll be till they're back here again? Because like I loved I love Josh Hodgson. I love Josh Hodgson yeah. more than I love some members of my family. Mm. But he's old as shit. His knees are bad. Yeah, and Reed Marnie is a very different sort of player to Reed Marnie, and you know, Para are going to take a step back next year. That's just how it's going to be. And it's so, like, they're out. both at the last chance saloon, bro, and it's uh, last drinks. It's good stuff. Yeah, it's it's interesting because it's not. I don't think it's quite as um, dire as it was. Like oh nine was very much lightning in a bottle. I don't think anyone thought that that team was going to be sticking around to contend for premierships for a while. Yeah, but in this case, it's been sort of like a five year odyssey. That's not coming to an end. I think they'll still be good next year, but they're losing, yeah. as you said, two very good players. And this is the this is the culmination of all that hard work, all that riding riding with Brad Arthur through media people wanting him sacked for only finishing fourth and making the second <laughs> week of the finals every week. Like yeah. all that stuff. This is this is what it's this is what it's been for this day. And you're right, maybe they don't get back there after today, after Sunday. And I hope they win. I really, really do. Um, I, I just, I just don't think that they will. Yeah. 
but yeah. Anyway, before we wrap up, I do want to talk about how the bandwagon of Parramatta this year. Yes. How it's been like. You got. We all remember the big run. It's been like in hyperdrive. It started on Saturday. <laughs> Just I'm not really knocking either because there's such a big fan base, but I forgot the bandwagon was such a thing with, with the Eels. Because like they just didn't believe the whole finals. Hey, none of their fans believe. They all got you thought they were gonna get knocked out week two and then week three. They won that, and then legitimately there's been queues at every bloody sports store for para jerseys all week. Rebel sports how how rebel sport out of Parramatta jerseys in the country? Doesn't make any they sense. They can't have had that, they can't have had that many, right? Well, yeah, but still, like in the country, someone went to Darwin and got a jersey. Like <laughs> they, they saw that in Darwin. Like hey, I hey, hey, the yeah. um the 61-year-old Paris fan who I interviewed who couldn't get a ticket, uh, yeah. is, he lives in Darwin. So maybe he bought them all. Hang on, so. hang on, hang on. <laughs> Could he not get a ticket because he was in Darwin? No, no, no. What's so what happened? Okay. Well, why don't you read the fucking story, mate? Well, I don't read know, your... mate. I'm writing yeah. my own stories. It's a busy oh, week. I yeah. read all yours. Jerk. It's not true. I didn't read today's yet. But I, will. <laughs> but I will. I spoke to a Paris fan who was 84, so I got you. Okay, but this guy wasn't there in 1986 because he joined the Royal Air Force and was overseas. So that's on him. He's never seen yeah, him. With- yeah, it. I agree. Um, what's like, like? Let's tweak the saying. You know, war is temporary. Premierships are forever. It is. That's yeah. true. That's he why the they played on-, on through the 40s. Who won the? Who won the? Who, who won those titles? They should be worth double. The war. <laughs> he t- thought the war- power would be good again in, in 1987, didn't he? That fool. Oh, sure he that old fool <laughs> going to that war. Old fool. Yeah. But yeah, we go. Oh, the 1940, 1944 New South Wales Railway. Uh, Balbane won it. What there a year. Worth what half. Year. I remember it well. New, Newtown 42, Canterbury 41, St. George 40, East 39, 38. All right. South didn't win one during the war, so I'm happy to uh happy to strike it from the record. Well, that's yeah. that's uh that's World War One titles. World War One titles still count though. <laughs> anyway, uh, um... Mitch, it's a it's a good point you make about the bandwagon because I think so like, funny. This week, everyone's been talking about 09 a little bit, right? And mm. you guys will remember that really, really well. I think all our, all the listeners probably will. That really sort of built over a good period of time, a good couple of months, like maybe the four weeks leading into the semis. And then every week of the semis, it ramped up and ramped up and the stakes just got higher and higher and higher. And it by the end, by the grand final, it felt like the entire country was on power. You know what I mean? Bungard, Bungard and me have both written stories on 09 this week. And the thing that stands yeah. out when you talk to players from that team is how loud it was, how, yeah, how loud the, the game was, was and, and yeah. how, how it felt like everybody, everybody was with them every step of the way, mm. you know, and this week we've had that same experience, but instead of it being stretched out over two months, it's been condensed into eight or nine days. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, we've gone from, we've gone from zero to zero to 200 in the blink of an eye. You know what I mean? It's breakneck speed. But it's fucking awesome too. You know what I mean? I love how feral everyone out west has got. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like they got the blue and gold snags. They're, they're, they're packing awful. out the fan <laughs> days. You know what I mean? Like it's going crazy out there. And that's how it should be. That's how it should be. Because like that old fella you were talking to, Bungard, he thought they were going to be good in 87. Sure you never did. know when your team's going to come this close again. You, you know don't. what I mean? You never, never do. I always think about North Sydney, right? North Sydney won two premierships in 1921 and 1922. And that was it. They existed for another 78 years and they never won another grand final. Like it can happen. It can happen. Yeah. So when your team's here, fuck it, man. Go for it. Go for it, man. Don't have any regrets. Like don't be afraid of any of this shit. Like embrace every second, live every moment. You never, ever know 
if you if you want to get it again. You know what I mean? Yeah. You know, when you order your coffee at Starbucks tomorrow, you tell them your name's Para, and then You're when they you, right. and when they when they go call out Para, you yell Para, para yeah. back at them. Yeah. Okay, you start Para. Dude, chance. I'm starting That's random so, Para yeah. chants in the streets, and I don't even really like them. Like- I got on the <laughs> I got I got the train to the city last night, and as the train drove into the station at Mascot, the front said Para Express. And I'm not even on the Parramatta line. <laughs> but you were on the lane train. Yes. <laughs> like, <laughs> I, I was on the glorious green line from MacArthur to the city. Yeah. Not, not so. And yep, yet it, and yet it was the Para Express on the front of the train. Yeah. So Yeah. I love I love that shit, man. I love it when a team makes a grand final, hasn't been there in a while. Yeah. And everyone just goes just really goes crazy for it. We and we haven't been able to have it in a couple of the years. Last couple of years, yeah. Because, yeah. Just because of COVID and all that. It's a real shame that we weren't able to get it to its full extent in 2020 when Penrith yeah. made it. Cause I think we've got, we've got a very similar sort of experience, but we got it in 19 yeah. when Canberra made it. We got it in 15 when the cows made it. We got it in 14 when Souths made it. And there's yeah. really just nothing like a grand final week's my favorite week of the year, no matter who's playing. But when it's something like this, it just makes it feel even more special and yeah, even and bigger. You know, uh, I, I, mean? I can't I wait. Don't... And as I said, I think I can't remember which episode this week I said this on, but yeah, like I don't dislike Penrith, and I'm not yet sick of seeing them in grand finals. And I, I, it's just nice to have a game between two teams that aren't just there every year. So yeah, that part. Yeah, is good. Um, do they have a faint? What the porch lights off for Gallon was a thing. What are we going to hear from Paramount if they win? Is there something? Someone, out there? someone will say the old Jack Gibson line. Yeah, Ding Dong the Witches. That someone, someone will do that. Someone will say that. And Gutho would do the dumb dance holding the trophy, and then I'll hate that I ever ha- was ever happy. <laughs> does the Gutharino holding the trophy? You I'm might out. have to just yeah stop watching rugby league. No, Eddie, Eddie, Eddie will become the new host of Boom Rookies. He will. That's he has true. to come that's in. What's, that's what's going to happen. Yeah, look, Gutho Gutho is not my favourite, um, but Junior Paulo is. Oh, so yeah, they, that'll that'll cancel themselves out. I'm, I'm, on, I'm sure, on the lane train, but off I'm pretty the sure Guth, that Guth if, Junior, if if Para win, I'm pretty sure that um. Junior will be the first Polynesian uh, man to captain a club to a premiership, which is pretty cool. Like John I'm not going to fact check that. I was going to say, how John dare Sutton, you? Well, he's no, he's Fijian. I was going to, yeah, well, he's does Fijian. that not count that's, as? That's, no, that's Melanesian. That's Melanesian. Oh, okay. All right. So that's pretty cool. I'll stand down then. That's pretty cool. <laughs> if, that, if it happens, that's pretty cool. It is. All right. Um, I think this podcast was pretty cool, but it's come mm-hmm. to an end. We want any, we got uh, any Clive Churchill tips? Uh, I well, it's it's going to be Dylan Edwards or Nathan Cleary. So I'm just going to say well, Nathan Cleary. I don't, uh, Dylan I don't Edwards. agree with that. Edwards. You know what? Because usually when it's focused in on a team, it's like their first one. You know, like when yeah. when Cowboys won it, Thurston would have to have like got sent off to not win it. You know, yeah. and Cleary for Clive got Churchill his last year. Yeah. I think like seven Parramatta play- Penrith players can win it. I think heaps of them can win it. Like they could give oh, yeah. Coruscant, no, I go kick out. Like so, I don't think those guys are locked in. I, I, I so I wouldn't like. I don't know what. Nah, because people anyway, but people love saying I'm so underrated, Dylan Edwards. Especially yeah, so people that think are he's on television. One. So I think it's Edwards or Cleary, and I'm going to tip Edwards. Well, one of my favorite things to do with the Clive Churchill medal is to back someone at huge odds. Them mm. to have a great game and then get really pissed off when they don't get yeah. the medal. Shout out you know 09, Cooper Cronk. Shout out 09. So shout out 09. Um, shout out um, two years ago when I had a sofa Solomona, but they you gave back it to George Ryan George Burgess in 2014. 
I was on Tom Burgess in 2014, and he should have got oh, Tom a Burgess. As well. Yeah, Tom yeah, Tom Burgess. No, sorry, George. I was going to say, you mean George, right? Tom well, was a bit part player. It's just been so long then. since George was anything that I got him mixed. George up. was the best prop in the world at that point. So that he was. He was. So this year, I'm thinking that I'll have a bit of a go on like Kickout or something like that. Well, Kickout's longer the... odds than Sean Lane. That's interesting. Yeah. See, I could really like. Can't can't you see in your in your mind's eye? Kickout putting a bunch of shots on like he always does in these big games these days. Tipping on for one or two tries, maybe scoring a try himself. Mm. Like I, 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 I agree, I agree that it's unlikely that Cleary gets it because I think there is a, a there is a bit of voter fatigue at this point. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, I, I, I think someone like Kickout is a good shout. I think someone like Papali is a good shout if Para if Para wins. I think it's a bit more I mean? open if Para oh, win it. Because by the way, you know, narratives around a bunch of you guys. Nathan, I was thinking about it the other day on the light rails. Like, is Nathan Cleary never going to win a Dally M because they want they thought he was going to win one of the last three, and they'll be overvoting for him by next year. Oh, that's interesting. That's a good. I one. think I think he will win one at some point, but it just it's like here. I don't know. No, he'll win one. He'll win one after all the other good players leave and they uh, finish tenth. But what, he gets no, three that, points no, every no, time. No, you know what? Game. You know what? You remember he'll he he'll win, win one year. when he's about thirty, and the narrative yeah. will be, you know, Nathan Cleary never won a Dally M. No, but that. the fact they win so many games, Bungard, it just means they're going to get more points anyway. You know, it's like true. that's like the thing that helped Hines issues. They won so many games. It also meant that he was more opportunity. Yeah, to he had points. that weird combination, which you don't often see, of being the only guy on his team that gets votes and also that team winning heaps of games, which you don't yeah. normally see. Not winning like because usually it's the Storm games. or the Roosters doing that and just yeah. having guys take votes from each other. But yeah, yeah. but uh, yeah. So I I can't give tips on this thing anyway, but like as in punting ones. But I think yeah, Clive Churchill. Oh, you're right. I think Dylan Edwards would probably have voter momentum. I'm going to bet on him because I think yeah. he'll win. And what's he paying? I haven't even looked. I'll look right now. Well, he he's into about nines. The last that's time him. He has to be I... second favorite after. Cleary, I honestly right? legit. Well, I, I, I hate, sound, I hate like sounding. Two... I hate sounding like an mm. old man. But when did Clive Churchill medal odds for halfbacks turn into Super Bowl MVP? Odds Honestly, it's it's gotten that way, hasn't it? Like I remember, I remember back like maybe ten odd years ago when the favourites, like someone like Cronk or Smith or Slater in a Melbourne Grand Final, they would be maybe six or seven bucks. Yeah, or eight, eight or nine bucks even. These days, like I think I saw Cleary was like two bucks fifty. That's yeah. insane. Like. And the halfbacks don't always win it either. That's the weird thing. No, like, no. You gotta remember, like we're dealing with we're dealing with this, with similar people who give out Dally M votes. So don't look for common sense. Oh, he's he's seven dollars you know I mean? fifty now. That's so yeah, short. but so Cleary is the final last year, but like the last halfback before Cleary's Thurston, right? Yeah. Cle- Cleary the... Cleary deserved it last year, I thought. He did. He did, he but it's like Thurston was like, like it's not like it's, as you say, the quarterbacks pretty much win it every year anyway. But the halfback ones are like that. It's we weird, only he's a lock, but um, I think if Parramatta win it, it it'll actually end up being one of the forwards because I think there's a need for them to win that game. So I think if they win it, it's going to be Campbell Gillard, Paulo, or Sean Lane. Well, Junior Paulo, forty-one to one at the minute. Mate, Not a bad bet. I've had worse ones. Mate, Jacob Arthur, two hundred and one to one. Mitch Moses can cast in the first three minutes, and the son does it for his father. The, my 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 big brain Clive Churchill medal bet is waiting until just before kickoff and getting on Happy Coruscant. Mm. So Penrith pull the switch that they do with Mitch Kenny starting. So Coruscant uh, goes to the bench. His odds blow out a little bit, and that's when you get on. And say he comes on when it's you know maybe Penrith's down six or maybe it's nil all or something, and things turn. 
and then people start talking about, oh, geez, didn't things oh. turn when Appy got out there? You're going to you send the I mean? bookies then, broke, mate. And then and then your boy Nick's laughing all the way to the bank. There's a one yeah. hot tip they don't want you to know. <laughs> and so you've said Campo in the past for finals. You're a paper ticket man. Are you yes, like? I am. You, of course. So. You're telling me. Oh yeah, how are you going to wait at the tab machine? Because they you have tab machines at ANZ Stadium. But you're going to wait with eighty thousand people. You're like, I'm going to queue up there. Gonna, yeah, mate. Yeah, the that's queue. the thing. That it's going to be busy. You could just do it on your <laughs> phone. Never, never. Do you, have a, do you have a tab near your house? You like, you like, you have a tip now. You like, I want to walk to the tab. Where you're just like, I only do it. Wait. I only do it for big games. I don't do it for every. For oh, I know. That's what I'm asking. Time. I'm curious. I want to know the process, mate. People at home want to know the process. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if they do. Um, no, I usually do it like maybe a day beforehand or something like that. That's and good. Go get the cash out and go down to the pub and fucking put them on and away you go. Like I got other weird things I like doing grand final. If you want to hear about them, yes. People oh, ask at the question question time. You can tell us that at the end of the show. There you go. Okay. I um I always like I always like buying the two Sunday papers and reading them while while I have breakfast. I always like going out and getting some beer and just keeping it in the house in case there's going to be a big kick on and we've got to be ready for it. I like getting to the gate to the ground as soon as the gates open and I don't like leaving until there's almost nobody left in the stadium. Um, what else is there? You put, Paper you tickets. Throw pepper you over your right shoulder, sold over your left shoulder at breakfast. You throw pepper over your right shoulder, sold over your left shoulder at breakfast. No, no, no. Mitch, the pepper goes over the left shoulder. The salt <laughs> yeah. goes over the... God, dude, it's like you don't what's even the know toast? Me. What's the toaster set to? Um, I like to set it to about three. Medium um, brown? And yeah. <laughs> and that's the thing. It can take some time, you know, because it's got to be, I don't yeah. know, man. I'm I'm not fastidious about a lot of things, but I am about, I am about like big footy stuff. You know, well, do you like have the, same, do you have the so. same breakfast every year? No, 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 no. I'm not that crazy. Oh, of course not. That would be silly. <laughs> that would just be stupid. <laughs> yeah. I do what I, I like, like and I like what I do and I'm not going to apologize yeah. for that. That's fair. Because when you work all night, you don't feel all right. That's right. It's hmm. worse to live by. All right, let's get out of here. Uh, before we go, I thank you to the people in the top two tiers on our Patreon subscription service. If you want to support us, patreon.com forward slash Um, No pressure, but you know we did five podcasts this week. So you know, show some gratitude. Anyway, thank you to Bronco from birth, Chris Avnell, Dave. Nico Hines had the greatest season in NRL history. Rocky and Rafi, <laughs> Stu, hey, Anthony Anger. Who's that? Who changed Dan that over to Hines thing? Uh, I... Shout uh, out to uh, I'll have to go back and just watch every and just the name that I would normally read here because there's only six people in the very top tier, so they're always the first six names. So I'm gonna have to oh, go okay. back and sorry, I can't I think mean, of the top of my head. It's I didn't mean to interrupt. Is it? I can't remember. It's fine. Uh, where was I up to? I'm gonna start again. Bronco yeah, for Chris Abnell, Daves, Nico Hines had the greatest season in their history. Rocky and Rafi, Stu, Anthony Anger, Butsy, Cam Beswick, Chewbacca, Snufflepagus, Dan Cullinan, Doc Hogg, an anonymous backer, Ed Burton, Frankie, Jace Felix, with James K, Jason, Jez, you're in the top 10. Joel Wrigley, Joey Gooch, Josh Brandon, kicks outs out of the comp. Lachlan Hancock, Leon, lifelong Dolphins fan, Luke Ferguson, Matty Jenkins, Matthew Duggan, Michael Murray, Mr. Beefy, Morgan Watkins, my arms, they go a flip flop, flip flop, flip, never trendy, party keg, Pete Fulcher, Razor, Reese Brown, Rowan Edwards, Roxanne Clark, Schneider score Seymour Butts, Shunter, Simo, Stephen Hickey, Stoned Gossard, Ty, TB, The Black Vegetable, The Not So Mature Age Student, Thor Laycock, Tom Hardy, and Was. Thank you so much for your support to everyone in the lower tiers and everyone who just listens. Thank you as well. Uh, I can work out as soon as we finish recording who that is, but yeah. All right, we did it. Five episodes in the can. Grand final coming up this weekend. I hope you all enjoy it. Nick, uh, anything else to promote besides our tax dollars at work? Um, yeah, yeah. I always, I always go really hog wild in grand final week with 
yarns and radio spots and I was even on TV this week, which was which was pretty cool. But if you want to read any of my stories or whatever, um just go on go on my Twitter and they should all they should all be there. I had a cool feature on 2009 that I did with Dan Mortimer. Um I had a fun story with Brian Tot on Mike Acevo that Mitch was talking about a little bit yesterday. Um, I had a good yarn with Sean Lane about how he managed to become what he's become. I had a, a big feature today about Parramatta and, and trying to leave the past behind and create a couple of new memories. Um, by the time you guys hear this, there'll be a story up about Mitch Kenny and about how a couple of years ago he knew more about cutting grass than he did about playing hooker. And now he's going to start a hooker in a grand final. And there's some NRLW yarns in there as well. Um, yeah, this is my favorite week of the year. This is my favorite time of year. You know, this is as good as it gets. So if you like my stuff and you like what we do on here, read the stories. You'll probably like those as well. All right. Sweet. All right. All right. And with that, say goodbye, Nick. See you guys. Say goodbye, Mitchell. Goodbye, Mitchell. <laughs>